Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Art of Journaling podcast. Today, I have on my friend, Donna Matias. Um, we had an interesting conversation not too long ago, and she is one of the few people I've spoken to um, who has quite an extensive background in journaling herself. So I think we're going to have a very interesting conversation today, lots of interesting stuff to, uh, to discuss. And one thing I'll mention, in our previous conversation, an interesting topic that came up was um, thinking about people who don't journal from the perspective of people who do. So it's kind of interesting in our initial conversation, we both journal and we've been doing it for a long time. And we got onto some interesting thinking about um, why it is that people might not journal. So that might come out a little bit in today's conversation. But um, at this point, why not I turn it over to you, Donna. And if you'd like, you can introduce yourself and just give us a sense of your background. Yeah, thank you. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this because, as you noted, I'm, um, I've been journaling for a long time, and I've never thought to discuss it with anyone. <laughs> so so when, I, yeah. when I, you contacted me, I thought, this is, this is fantastic. I'd love to talk about it. Um, I'm actually trained as a lawyer, and I worked for many years as a, as a lawyer, first at a big corporate defense firm, and then um, when I found that that wasn't very fulfilling and it took all my time, um, I moved over into public interest law. So I litigated constitutional cases um, at a, a firm in Washington, D.C. for many years. And then we had a move out to California. Um, and at that time, nobody was working remotely. So we attempted to do a long distance office, but it didn't quite work out. Um, so I went into teaching law school, um, teaching legal writing which I had done a little bit of when I was working back in DC. And through that, someone, uh, one of the professors approached me and wanted me to help set up a clinic for low-income entrepreneurs. And I was all over that because one of my soft spots is working with um, entrepreneurs and startups and helping people um, sort of realize their dreams about what, what they think their uh, purpose in life is and what their, you know, what businesses they might want to start. So that was very fulfilling and I um, was supervising law students who were learning how to become lawyers and how to represent clients um, in, that, in the clinical setting. And then I um, did a little bit of consulting, um, both on the coaching side and then consulting with um, startup entrepreneurs and partnerships. I was really interested in the dynamic between partners um, because one of the things I saw when I was running the clinic was anybody who came in and said they wanted to start a partnership inevitably. Uh, I don't, I, I hate to say they failed. It didn't work out. The relationship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. didn't work. So, um, so I was very interested in that. So I did a little bit of um, coaching on that. And then currently, um, and I know this is a long winded, history but it's because oh I'm, no i'm loving it i, I actually old. didn't know all of this, so. <laughs> i'm super old i've had a lot of years under my belt um so and i i now teach middle school um i teach writing and um, a vocabulary class that's largely uh latin etymology based and an independent study class which is um essentially like the if anyone's familiar with google or 3m they have a program called 20 percent time where they let their um, employees just come up with, you know, research and come up with projects based on what their interests are. 
And so in the middle school setting, that means helping teens and preteens sort of discover what they might be curious about and then dive into it a little bit deeper. And then um, we have this process through the semester where they're learning how to research and they're learning how to account for what the research. And then at the end, they uh, do a final presentation where they're sharing their learning. So they're, it's not just they're sharing, they did a research paper on X. Some of them are interested in learning how to create things. Some are interested in learning how to um, invest in the stock market um, or play an instrument. There's so many different kinds of um, interests that these students have. And I love that class because it really highlights each individual child's interest. Uh, so that's what I'm doing now. And I find it very fulfilling. I love working with that age group even more than law students. So. <laughs> the well, maturity level is sometimes about the same. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, just about everything that you said there, I find exciting for multiple reasons. I think it's all kind of independently interesting, but I also think it all has some bearing on the material that I'm working with regularly when thinking about journaling. Um, I mean, just kind of off the top of my head, um, obviously the idea of law and legal argumentation um, and some of the reasoning and thinking that goes into that, um, the... Uh, you mentioned legal writing, um, and that mm -hmm. starts to get into the language side of things, mm -hmm. um, which obviously has a, a major role in, in the world of journaling and education, even the independent study stuff, the, the personal development. I mean, I think that's, that's a real um, sort of recurring theme when we're examining what journaling is and why we do it. So anyway, it sounds like there's a lot of really fruitful material there. And it, it if I didn't know that you you have been doing journaling for a long time, I, I would have guessed based on all of that. So um, sp speaking of though, let's, let's, you have told me a little bit about this already, but um, can, we, can we turn to just your own background as far as journaling is concerned? I, uh, I, I often, when I have guests on the show, I, I kind of have this, this uh, thing that I kind of turn to and say, you know, if, if well, actually, let me elaborate on this. So, so it, st it all started with Derek. I, th I think you're familiar with, uh, with my friend Derek. He was on episode one. And I said, what's in the, um, in, in the Derek dictionary? What's under the entry on journaling? Um, but I came to realize it's, it's not really the dictionary so much that I'm looking for. It's like the, the, um, the encyclopedia. Uh -huh. like in, in the Donna encyclopedia, you <laughs> surely have experiences, memories, images, conceptions, and premises. Um, all kinds of things about journaling, and I'm just curious to hear what's there. Um, obviously, for everybody, it's a little bit different, and that, I think, is one of the great values of this podcast is in talking with a whole bunch of different people, uh, having different contexts, we can start to get a picture of um, what is the common denominator? What is the, the thing that seems to be universal in everybody's experience? And then also, what's different, and, and what's the explanation for that? So. That's my long-winded way of saying, do you journal? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think I do, um, based on what my definition of it would be. I think, um, you know, if I were to put it in just a concise phrase, it would, it would be processing through words, processing through the written word, right? So um, it's not for me simply that I'm processing what I what particular feelings, although that's part of it, but sometimes it's processing. I have a lot of things to do 
and I'm the type of person that can get easily distracted or procrastinate. And so I need to actually write it down um, in list form or whatever so that I can process it. It's almost like it's so muddled up in my head that until I write it down in words, um, I, it's not going to be real that I actually have to do this thing. Hmm. Um, the other thing is, when, and this is, um, I, I haven't mentioned to you this before, but I wake up every morning with a song in my head or lyrics in my head. Um, and I, it, it, it's an earworm. Most people would call it an earworm. I call it an audio tattoo. Um, and I don't know why, and it's not always the same song, certainly, but the only way to make it go away is that I have to write it down. Mm, so that's yeah, also yeah. a form of processing for me. Um, so it's one of the first things in my entry is whatever the, uh, you know, whatever the song is or the phrase is. Sometimes it's part of a poem, but usually it's song lyrics. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, children's song, goofy songs, things I haven't thought of. I don't know why it gets in there. I don't know what I'm dreaming about, but every single morning. Um, so I have to process that. Um, I'm processing, you know, things I've, you know, I make a new connection or I, um, you know, between things, you know, maybe themes in my life, I make a new connection. So I have to process that and I have to write it down. Um, but there's all kinds of ways, things that I'm grateful for. I have to process that in order to really just feel it in my gut or my body, you know, I yeah, write it down yeah. and it becomes real. So I think for me, um, it's a way of making things real and a way of working out whatever it is that's going on up there. And I need to do that in writing. Physical writing, like I can't, it doesn't help me to type it out in the same way. It's not the same experience. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you just made the distinction between, um, handwriting and typing but I think probably even prior to that would be um, getting it to the stage of text rather than just voice like I, I know a lot of people that I've had conversations with about journaling they they don't get so far as actually putting things into the written word at all um, it's they'll they'll have conversations with their friends or their spouses or whatever it is um, but I, I definitely relate to your own kind of articulation of that um, making things real. I think that that really hits it on the head for me and how I experience it as well. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of, well, I think, I think I, I would consider myself a pretty thoughtful person. And, and when I say thoughtful, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's um, and I think writing them down uh, is a way of managing them um, and bringing, yes. bringing a level of control to that whole experience. Um, yeah. And and it's, I think then there's also this premise that I have um, that um, thinking is really valuable. Like it's, I, I really get things out of my thinking. It might take some time, but with some consistent effort and enough thought, I'll have real breakthroughs that affect how I perceive experiences, how the actions I, I take in daily life. Like, like thinking leads to enhanced, action you know transformation in how i live and and so i have kind of this just this this feeling that thinking always has like a lot of potential but mm -hmm. it's but when i don't write it down when i don't get it out and kind of look at it it just stays as potential you know it's it's not there's yeah. no good way for me to capitalize on all of that value that i could have if i were to make these thoughts real yeah well, so it's interesting. I um, 
part of the making it real for me, because I totally, I, I, you know, I'm on board with that. One of the things that I do in, which I would consider journaling is um, I, I try to track my dreams and I try to do it. You know, they always say like in the middle of the night, if you wake up, have the paper beside you. And uh, lately, every time I go, eh, I'll remember it in the morning and then write it down. And of course you yeah. never do. Um, yep. Yep. That's yeah, a great, it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and so I, as I'm saying this, I'm suddenly remembering a dream I had last night about my cat running down a free, he was chasing me down the freeway and I was running on the freeway. I'm, I'm not sure why, but I did feel this urgency for both of us to get off the freeway. So I'm not sure what that means, but sorry, that image just came to me. Normally I would write it down uh, or I would say optimally, I'd write it down in the middle of the night. And one of the things that happens, this is a really magical thing for me. I, I, it, this is part of the processing, but when I'm doing that, when I'm writing down a dream, I'm not thinking about it at all. And it's almost as if um, my hand is just doing the work. It's coming out and I don't even, I'm not even thinking about what I'm writing. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that, and, and, you know, I, as you could probably tell, because I teach vocabulary and I teach writing, I love words. I'm just, words for, are the way that I process the world. And one of the things that I found when I'm writing out a dream I feel like I'm just this vessel and my hand is moving and I'm not thinking about what I'm writing, but the choice of words that comes out sometimes is very interesting. That's when I go, Oh, why did I use that word? I, that's not a word I would use. Yeah, yeah. That's what came out. And that, that actually helps me discover often what the meaning of the dream is. Um, and so uh, I'll give you an example. Cause this was just so I can still remember this happened several years ago, but I had this dream and I, I'm not going to be one of those people that tells you every detail of their dream. Cause I know that's not interesting when someone goes, I want to tell you about this dream I had <laughs> like, Oh God, here we go. I'm not, I'm going to try not to be that guy, but I had a dream. I was uh, out in the vast dark ocean and it was very still and it, the ocean was really black. And all of a sudden I, I was laying on a surfboard and all of a sudden my surfboard was gone and I was just trying for like, where is it? I, you know, and I said to somebody, I was swimming away and I said to somebody who was also just floating out there on a board, I said, I can't find my craft. I can't find my craft. And when I was recording this after I woke up and I was recording this and I ran, I'm thinking like craft, why wouldn't I just say, I can't find my surfboard. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was this was happening at a time when I was sort of figuring out, you know, what am I doing in this job that I'm in? And this is not really, I'm not using my skills. This is not the thing that I love to do. And so craft became, I realized this was about the things that I used to love to do, you know, the, the, um, the I wasn't writing enough. And so mm -hmm. I wasn't practicing that craft. And I just went, oh my God, like, that's what this is about. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I've lost my craft, but not my surfboard. Right. So, um, so that happens to me a lot. There are, there's a lot of wordplay in my dreams that if I just thought about the dream without writing it down, that would never come out. And I, and, and then it would just be sort of like, I have a feeling this dream meant something, but I don't really know what it is. You know, does that make sense? You know, it's funny hearing you say this. I, I literally just now started recollecting a dream that I had last <laughs> night and there was a unique usage of, of, 
vocabulary in that dream. I think it's <laughs> almost the same paradigm that you're describing. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's so it, it, here, here's a thought that that kind of inspires for me, um, which is I, I kind of growing up, I was never particularly interested in the language arts and, and in particular vocabulary was not really something that excited me. Um, I think it, I think it kind of, maybe my childhood conception of it, it, it reminded me of people who connect, or, or sorry, who collect um, like snow globes or like <laughs> like uh, Christmas tree ornaments or something like, why, why would you want to collect these arbitrary things? I mean, if, you, if, you're, if your speech is developed enough to, to say the things that you want to say, okay, like, why are you out looking for more? But, but it's very interesting because then when I, 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 despite being that kind of person, I was also the kind of person who was very introspective, very interested in the contents of my mind. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I sort of followed that lead and, and, and became more serious about journaling. <clears throat> and I got to the point where I organically discovered a love of vocabulary. And, it's, and it, was, it was through the process of having a thought and trying to capture that thought and and i i i've mentioned this a few different places but i i'll um i i used to have this this uh practice of in my journaling i would write a sentence and then i'd get to a to a point in the sentence where i'd have to kind of choose a word and rather than kind of pause and reflect on which word to use i would write like five words oh. you know like word a slash word b slash word c and then i would just keep on going like it, it was uh, oh. i'm not gonna let this thing obstruct <laughs> my my rhythm like you know but it was so interesting because in going back and looking at it it was it, my page would just be filled with all these different word options and uh -huh. it, and it, it, i think that was a really when i started reflecting on that it was a really powerful illustration of this idea that um, so, and I've since been reading quite a bit about learning Latin and Greek, um, and mm -hmm. and the role and the way in which learning a second language can can bolster your understanding of your own language, um, and and there's this premise that there's raw thought, raw idea, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, and it's you have this kind of raw thought in your mind, and you need to figure out how to express it, um, <clears throat> and then so. And when you kind of encounter this moment when you have to choose a, a, a word to, to capture the thought, it's, well, it's, you need to try to capture the thought precisely. And, and, and if you actually stop and look at those couple of words, they do have different implications. There are small but significant differences between mm -hmm. those different words. So it's, I, it, I'm just kind of relaying this experience of discovering for myself the value of vocabulary. And then ever since I kind of went through that pathway, now I'm obsessed. I, I, pay attention, I have a list of words where, and it's exactly like you said with the, the concept of craft. Like, you know, we, we might have kind of these shallow definitions in our minds, but if you do a little digging, there's, there's a really robust meaning behind the usage of these different words. And right. um, to the extent that you can flesh that out, you have, a, you have kind of a more powerful perspective on the world. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because... Um, for me, I if words there's so much nuance right in a in in any given word that we we want to there for many words there's so much nuance to it and for me it's I, it's it feels like a bodily experience when I've hit on the right word so something if something's just a little bit like nah it's not quite the word I'm looking for it 
I won't write it down because it'll bug me mm -hmm. too much. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I, this happens in vocabulary class too, because we talk about the literal definition of the word, meaning, you know, if you translated it exactly from what the stem means in Latin and brought it into English today, what would it literally mean? And then what does it actually mean today? How is it used today? Mm -hmm. And so we will spend, probably my students would say a little too much time, Ms. Tia spends a little too much time on the, on the nuances of certain words, you know, and I, because I have them write sentences using the word, they have to make up the sentences themselves so that I understand, so that I can see that they understand the meaning and the context of the word, right. not yeah. just that they're using it grammatically correctly. So um, they have to include enough in their sentences that demonstrates the meaning of the word. And, um, and, you know, some of them, I think, find it really perhaps a little, you know, drudgery. Some of them really get into it so that their sentences are more, you know, they're becoming more creative in their sentences and they're thinking about scenarios mm -hmm. that they might, you know, and, and that actually translates into their writing and writing class. So I love that, and it, and it and the nuance I think is really important, and I think it's important to convey to them, it, you know, if you use the word, for example, it's a word we have, um, uh, grave in sixth grade. They get the word grave as in serious, mm -hmm. and and some of them will just write down it means heavy, um, and then when they get to the sentences on the test, they'll, they'll I'll have to say it's not physically heavy. Right, it means heavy right. in a bodily way. And then we'll talk about different ways that that feels like. So I really get into that because like I say, I love words. I love figuring out the meaning of words and finding the right uh, sense of them. But that's all, all a long way of saying that for me, it's actually, it feels like a bodily experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's how I know when I've hit on the right thing. Yeah, th this, is, this is really interesting. And it, it, it's kind of, um, we're kind of organically getting to a principle that I've discovered in journaling and I, I make a point of teaching my students. So like, let me see if I can do a good job of connecting two ideas. So we, we've talked about the idea of journaling as being a tool to help us make our thoughts feel real, like bring them into reality. And then we've been talking about uh, just the sort of nature of words and even kind of you describing um, kind of how the students will have to derive their own scenarios in terms of learning the word and that kind of thing. So one, one thing that I kind of realized one day is that um, words are a technology. And I'm really into this idea. Like it, we think about technology as being things like, you know, iPhones and email and Zoom and stuff like that. But I mean, if you go back to, you know, early history, technology would have been like the clay pot or or you know the 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 wooden stick even is is a very sort of like primitive crude form of technology but it's still technology and and i think language is is literally not not sort of metaphorically it is literally a technology um yes. and if you think about like the way in which some technological device like an iphone we call it technology because it's man made and because it enhances our our daily life we can use it to have a power over our lives in the world that we didn't have before. And words do that. Like, like I, I, was, I did this exercise one time when I, I walked into um, uh, Five Guys, <laughs> Five Guys Burgers and Fries. And I, I, I just, I was, found myself in this experience and I was looking around 
And I, I realized I, I can use words to analyze this situation exhaustively. Like yeah. I, I, can, I can name everything in this place, cash register, you know, the soda machine. And not only that, but then I have a whole suite of words um, that I can use to analyze the nature of the cash register. I can look at the cash register from a mechanical perspective. I can look at it from an economic perspective or an entrepreneurial perspective or a mm. historical perspective. And the whole idea is that gives me a, a, an amount of leverage over my life that, you know, say if you take kind of like primitive hunter-gatherer and drop him into the same situation, he does not have the amount of leverage or technological control over that experience. Right. Um, so, it's, so this is kind of my, my long-winded way of saying, I think words are a technology and kind of bridging that to the idea of it making our thoughts real. But we're using words to make our thoughts real in a way that we can actually use them. We have a command over now when I see the, this word or the proper use of this word in a scenario in real life, I have a level of control over it because I understand how, to, how that word kind of applies to that situation. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. And you know what it makes me think of is, um, is I've had several friends who have had, you know, various ailments and things and they, it's mysterious and it's frustrating and it's stressful. And only it's not until they get a diagnosis and they have a, a, a word, a label to put on it, that uh, they yeah. actually feel like they have some sense of control. Okay, now that I know what this is, it actually, I, I'm, I'm not glad about what it is, but at least I can name it. And I know, how, it, like you were talking about, you know, being able to get things down and then have, take some action. You can take mm -hmm. action mm -hmm. when you, and you have more control, I think, when you know what it is you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And I think that to take that back to journaling, I mean, that's one thing for me is when I've been able to figure out a situation or feelings or how to proceed or whatever, um, I feel it's, it's, it's a sense of control of your life and the, you know, using the words and doing that through a journal is, is really, really helpful um, in getting there. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I'm even thinking, I'm, kind, I'm not sure I have really developed thoughts on this. You're just kind of making me think of it just now, but when you had kind of first said at the beginning that kind of your rough definition of journaling is, is like processing through the written word um and it's that's definitely for my journaling students it's I, I basically boil down the entire journaling process into we capture our thoughts we develop them and then we study them until they become second nature that's the pattern and and so when i think about that what that means is ultimately it's processing we're processing our experiences so i think now like there's a way in which when we need to process something something chaotic happens and we're trying to wrap our minds around it we're trying to process it i kind of think that has to happen in words like i i'm sure there's some yeah. way in which there's there's sort of um you know additional things that are taking place and and um it kind of exploring the emotional consequences and and accommodating those but it's to process something means to take the experience to analyze it in terms of words such that you can understand how the experience has bearing on your life right um yes yeah. so i, I want to um mention one other thing too that you kind of got me thinking about this um and it's it's the idea of you had said something earlier about um 
I think it was you were describing like w when you were uh, on the, that track about making your thoughts real, feeling them, I think you said. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of a, a thought that I've come across in my journaling experience, which is I think there's a way in which, uh, well, so I mentioned technology, this idea that words are technology. And, and I, I now have been kind of going through life with this, this analogy of a key. Um, and I feel like mm -hmm. every word is a key um, that I can use to unlock a, a, a situation that I'm in, right? So I, I kind of go into this moment, I go into the situation and, you know, there's, I could look around me. I just, I'm, I'm in front of my desk right now. I can look at my, my laptop, my pad of post-its, my, my pencil, you know, a million different things. And I can use words to kind of begin unlocking that thing and understanding its nature and what I can do with it. Um, so I think of words as being kind of like a key. But then there's also wor words maybe that you don't fully have a command over yet. Um, and I think it's in that situation, it's like you kind of have a sense of it. Um, and it's more, it's not maybe not quite a key. It's more like a lock pick. It's like, <laughs> you know, you could, you could kind of sit and you could fiddle with it. But if you were in a hurry, you know, you're in trouble. Um, you might be able to use it to gain access to whatever, the, you know, the meaning of this thing is. But um, there's, I, I just think there's a way in which it's, when you have developed a, a level of command um, over a thought or, or an idea um, through mastery of associated words, you're to the point where that, that technology has really been sort of installed into you. It's, you, you, it's been made second nature. You're, you're not kind of going through life with this like theoretical, not like bookish knowledge. It's you feel your knowledge. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you, you've sort of installed it and, and now I can feel everything I know about my iPhone. You know, I don't mm -hmm. have to sort of fiddle around with it. Um, so anyway, th just that, that idea of feeling your knowledge was something that jumped out at me um, related to what you had said earlier. Well, so, uh, so I have a question about um, your mm -hmm. students um, and, and feeling your knowledge. I, Cause I have a, um, I don't know if it's even quite to the level of being a theory, but I have an idea that I think that the people who are most likely to or most interested in journaling um, are people who have a relationship to time that is probably most likely anchored in the past or in the present, but not the type of people that are uh, anchored sort of toward the future because they're necessarily not going to be very self-reflective, right? And I'm talking about the, you know, these kinds of people where um, they're, they're, it's not just that they're always making plans for the future, but there are some people that just live in the future all the time. There are some people that are very much anchored to the past and they live in the present day, obviously, but the right. future is very diffuse for them they're sort of, they'll go along with whatever happens and, you know, it's the, they don't really worry about the future. Um, and I, I think that there are also people who um, are always looking toward the future and they're maybe, you know, they're planning of course, but they're just very future oriented. And I think those might be the type of people um, for whom journaling seems like why would you even do that, <laughs> right? Because it requires you to reflect and, and uh, yeah. that's always in your past. So, um, so I don't know what you think about that or if, if you have any uh, thoughts on the types of, with your students, um, if they tend to be more anchored in a particular phase in time or point in time. Yeah, 
that that's really interesting. So I'll start by saying I do have a lot of thoughts on that, which is oh, of course you be, do. being a journaler, like I, I <laughs> tend to have a lot of thoughts on everything. So, but but um, I think maybe before I before I share some of my thoughts, I, I would, I firstly I think that's very interesting, um, and I, I definitely agree that I think that there are classes of people who seem to be anchored at different places in time. So it's and I. I I also think that there are classes of people who, who, and we can get to this in a little bit, but who are not really anchored at all. Um, and, and that's interesting and worth exploring. Mm -hmm. But so there's you know, like people anchored in the past for various reasons. Um, but I, I certainly think that you know, one example would be like somebody who's, whose glory days were back in high school or something like that. You know, and it's, mm -hmm. um, it's, that's kind of the, the greatest time of their lives. And um, you know, maybe it was wonderful and then they had kind of had to give that up going forward or maybe there's a way that in which um they didn't get something that they needed back in that time and mm -hmm. so it's if you want to consider that some kind of like a trauma like like mm -hmm. just a you know some kind well whether it was an yeah. actual like childhood trauma or there was just some kind of deficiency that created like this open loop or this this void that needs to be filled and they haven't been able to fill it so they're they're just constantly occupied with this event or this mm -hmm. this uh, phase of life that is is long gone. Right. I also think yes. I I it's a little bit more foreign to me in thinking about this, um, but I do think that there are people who are um, sort of anchored in the future, um, and I, I and it, I think it's there's a way in which at least one class of these people is people who they they're not satisfied with their present life. And they have like a fantasy and a dream about what life should or could look like. And there's some like insurmountable barrier that uh, they can't do like do anything about. Um, the only time will allow it to pass. So like I actually there was a phase in life when I, I was in college and uh, I, I didn't want to be in college. I wanted to be like out <laughs> in the world living life, you know, but it's, I had to finish college. And so just every day was a fantasy about what I was going to do when college was over. Um, right. and, and what ended up happening was I never lived in the moment and right. <laughs> I really regret, regret that experience. But anyway, so, but I, I'm curious to hear just a little bit more um, of how you think that relates to journaling. Like, I think you were saying that journaling is reflective which would tend to be what, like a present or a past? Present or past, related. yeah. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, no, so, so yeah, I, I, so if you're, if it's journaling in the sense of um, you're, you're trying to make sense of your life, you're trying to make sense of different things that have happened in your life, it, you, you, you can't do that by looking forward, right? You can maybe anticipate something that might sort of align with, your reflections about the past, but you, you can't, ref yeah, I mean, by definition, you can't reflect on something that hasn't happened yet. And I think that there are, um, I just think that there are people that, um, I'll give you an example, that, that there are people that are so, so if, if two people get in an argument, right, and one of them is anchored in the past, and one of them is anchored in the future, mm -hmm. I would, I would say that the, the person who is, whose relationship to time, their stance to time is, they're, they're always forward looking. They're more likely to be the kind to say, oh, okay, fine, I did it, I'm sorry, let's never talk about it again. Whereas the person <laughs> right, in the past right. is gonna go, oh, but remember that time, you know, I, yeah. I, or I see this as a pattern because I have all this stuff in the past that I'm still 
it's still, uh, you know, part of me and I can remember it. And it's not necessarily, I'm not even saying this as the people who are anchored in the past, it's always got to be something bad. It's that the past is still very real for them. Right, right. And it informs how they are now. And it, you know, and it, but if they're dealing with somebody for whom the past is forgotten or whatever, and they're only looking forward, you're going to have some conflict there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they just have different relationships to time. And I, and I think that the one with the forward looking person doesn't really have the past to use to reflect on because they, it's almost as if, and I don't want to say they act like it's not there. I think that they, it's genuinely not sort of in their, um, within their line of sight and not necessarily because something's been traumatic, but because they think, you know, that, or not even they think, because to them, the future is all that matters, because that's what we have going forward from here. Does that make sense? Yeah, this, I, this is very interesting. And, and I think it, it's um, really important. And I think it, it, this is kind of central to questions of, of journaling and motives for journaling. And, and then even, I, I think there's a real way in which journaling is largely for the sake of, um, like self-transformation and 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 within that category i would include things like self-help self-improvement um even like therapy like that kind of like there's a lot Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that kind of stuff in there and um i I do want to share some of my thinking as it as it touches on this um uh and it's 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 really i like I, i don't think i'd i don't think i'd quite formulated it like like how you have in in the sense of people with a distinctive relationship to time, but that I completely accept that. I think that's huge, and I'm going to go do some journaling about it after this, <laughs> this conversation. Um, but, but um, yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I want to share is um, the distinction between um, journaling and a diary. And and I, I've I've mentioned this a little bit in previous podcast episodes, but I, I think that there's a way in which I think people really conflate those two things um, mm-hmm. and. They're certainly related, and it's understandable why you would, but I think they are distinct. Um, yeah. I, I think that journaling is essentially for the sake of, of the intellect. It's for the sake of thinking about truths and beliefs um, and kind of managing almost like your personal philosophy. Um, okay. So it's, it's um, I mean, the corollary would be something like nonfiction. It's journaling mm-hmm. is, is your personal nonfiction. Um, and then um, I think the diary is much more about your your story, your personal context, your experiences. So the corollary there would be your fiction, your, your stories. Mm. Um, and I think it's so interesting. I think that there are a, a huge class of people who um, I think it's pretty common when you're a child or young to be very idealistic. Um, you have a sense of kind of what your story is supposed to be. Um, and, you know, you have kind of this sense of all of these these great things out in the world, and I can't wait till I can grow up and have the power to go um, make my mark on them and reorganize them in the way that they're supposed to and kind of unfold my story. Um, and I think inevitably, um, we run into a lot of challenges um, in, in actually doing yeah. that. And, and um, I think in many ways, we get derailed from, many people anyway, get derailed from the story they think they're supposed to live. Right. Um, and then I think it's for those people, the question sort of becomes, what do you do now? 
Um, and it's, I think that there's a real experience that people have of um, in, in being derailed from your story, suddenly everything loses meaning. Um, it's mm -hmm. what, what initially would have had, you know, it's, it's proper place in a chapter in your life. It's now you're completely derailed from where you were supposed to be at whatever age you are. And this isn't the life I signed up for. And, and mm -hmm. I'm not even, this is, this is not my life. Who, whose life am I living? Um, right. And, and everything around you then kind of loses the, that kind of personal significance that it's supposed to have and that meaning that it's supposed to give you in your life. And, and I think we see this, you know, this class of people who find themselves looking for meaning in their lives. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think it's, there's a way in which that phenomenon is dealt with by keeping a diary. And, and, and what it is, is it's, it's, it's constantly being vigilant about where you are in life and keeping mm -hmm. track of what your story is. And yes, it's very possible that this isn't the story that you had originally planned on living, but, but it's a fact that this is where you are. And so maybe, you know, your childhood conception of what your story was supposed to be just needs to be revised a little bit. You know, maybe it's, you know, what you thought was kind of this nice, simple, like fairy tale story. Well, it's just a little more complicated. Maybe there's some real, you know, problems and barriers that you have to face. You know, I think, I think yeah. of like Lion King, like, 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 <laughs> like Simba, Simba wasn't planning on Mufasa being murdered, you know, and then he had to go live in the jungle for 20 years or whatever it was like, you know, we don't plan on these things, but in the end it makes for a great story. So it's it, the right. keeping of a diary is very much about dealing with the new experiences and, and processing them such that they can be fit into this revised perspective on your story. And, and then having a strong sense of where you are. What chapter of life are you in? What is the kind of the major current of events that have led you here? Um, and I think now connecting that to a lot of what you said, I think there's a way in which the proper place to be is always the present. You have, you have kind of this awareness of the past and this awareness of the future, but ultimately it's any given day, what you have to work with is that moment. You can. Right. You can make the thoughts that you can make and you can take the actions that you can take, but that's what you have to work with at any given time. And, but it's to be present in the moment requires having a sense of where you are in your story mm -hmm. and it requires not being derailed. So I think that's where um, people, you say, kind of describe it as people being anchored in the past or anchored in the future. Like I think there are ways in which both of those people would greatly benefit from the practices of keeping a journal and keeping a diary as a sort of means of finding their way back to the kind of the present moment. Um, right. So anyway, that was, that was quite, a, quite a, an explanation there, but <laughs> I, I hope you could see the connection a little bit. Um, I, oh, I'm, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, well, so, you know, it's interesting. I, um, although you make the distinction between diary and journal, they both come from the same root right that dia by day meaning by day because journal is from the diurn d-i-u-r-n which means by day um and dia diary is day um so they they both were i don't know how they were used in the original um you know whether they both there was this distinction that you now make but it but both was sort of this had to do with this idea that you're on a daily basis doing some sort of evaluation mm -hmm. in the written word. Um, 
so that that sorry that just came as you were saying like the distinction like like wait a minute the root is the, the root is the same um and um and also the word journey because as you were describing you know this idea that we, people are we're always we're constantly writing our stories um uh and and i thought of the hero's journey because mm -hmm. um if if you you know if you study the hero's journey you know that if you think in your life that everything's going really good right now guess what because you've got you've you're you're going to make a uh, you know you're going to make a little trip around the hero's journey um into the darkness and you'll mm -hmm. and the, and the other thing too to remember about that though i think is that if you do think of and i think you're right that everybody is like sort of living this story if you keep that in mind, I think it's easier to see that when you're in those the really bad place, the hero is way down in the the depths and fighting the dragons and all of that. Mm -hmm. He or she always comes out, right? If they're willing to 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 um, endure it and fight, you know, fight the dragons and do all that, they they will come out. And and that to me, I, I like to think of my life in in terms like that because. Mm -hmm. I know that there will be, there's something out of this that I'm gonna sort of level up and have gone through whatever transformation I need to go through. And I, and I can see that as long as I think of my life in terms of those kinds of stories that we all have these little hero's journeys that we go on, uh, sort of getting off track. But, but that, I thought of that when you, um, you know, we're talking about uh, the diary and, and keeping track mm -hmm. of our stories. And when the story doesn't quite match up to what we thought. Um, so. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that actually points to, cause I, I made the distinction between the journal and the diary. I don't, I don't think I went as far as saying that I, I think that they're complementary. Like I think they, yeah. they work together as a system. So it's, yeah. and, and I think it, it fits exactly with what you're saying. Like when you're, when you're down in the darkness fighting the dragon, it's, you, you need the diary to tell you where you are. And it's, mm -hmm. hey, you were down in the darkness fighting the dragon. Like, you're not lost. It, you're, at, you're in the dark chapter of your story. So, like, okay, do you see where you are? All right, now that you know where you are, I think that's when you turn to the journal to solve your problems. Uh, say, yes. All right, you know, here are, here are the challenges facing me at this chapter in my life. All right, now let's do some intellectualizing. Let's do some thinking. To, to figure out how do I get out of this? Because the fact is that there's a way in which you need to see your life as a story, but you can't just like fantasize your way through life or like being your seven-year-old self would have been enough. Like you need right. to think, you, you need right. to think and solve problems in an adult and sort of rational and scientific way. And so that, that involves some careful disciplined thinking. And that's where it's just that I think the diary serves to kind of, point you to what to think about you know it's what in my present moment in this chapter in my life do i need to be thinking about such that i can take the proper actions to move my story forward and then once you have those questions or those prompts if you will then i feel like the journal comes into play because it's all right let's let's figure it out you know and and then suddenly all of all of this intellectual capacity that people have you know it's not it's not just interesting trivia anymore it's no you can you can use this intellectual power to to have a great life you know or to, to kill the dragon um but yeah so 
so can I ask you a question? I, something I heard on um, one of the previous episodes, you mentioned that you, um, and, and you mentioned it again when you talked about with your students, you, you have a three-stage process. Um, so it sounds like you go back to what you've written and refine it. Is that, am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, three, three levels for journaling. And, and like very simply, it's the first level is all about capturing your thoughts. Um, second level is about developing and refining those thoughts to, to a point of it, command, con control over the thinking. You have a, a good sense of what you think about it. And then the third level is about um, basically taking that clear understanding that you've achieved and studying it making it second nature because there's a way in which um you know if you're thinking about anything it's because it's novel in some way like i don't right. you know i don't i don't sit down and journal about the letters of the alphabet because I, it's not <laughs> that's not novel to me you know okay. um I, I i journal about things that are somewhat new and kind of on the frontier of my understanding so there's this process of kind of capturing it and bringing it sort of within the city gates and gaining control over it but then okay, you've, you've gotten control over it, but it's not yet really installed. It's, it's kind of like earlier we were talking about the idea of it's more like the lock pick and it's not yet like the key. So mm -hmm. level three is about really studying your own thinking. So do you go back and, I, I mean, is it, does it, so what, when, I, when I was talking about my, I, you know, I'm a, a sort of a daily practice and I don't always have that much time, but I'll, I, I have to write something. Um, but I never go back. I never go back. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, so that's why I'm so, I'm, I'm curious about the, do you take a particular entry and subsequently you say, you know, today I'm going to hand, I'm, I'm going to take a crack at the thing I captured on such and such a date or how does it, how, how does that process work? Yeah, it's it's very interesting to hear you say that because I, I I without hearing the details of your own experience, I I would say I fall into the same category. I think, you know, having been journaling now for close to fifteen years, I I've been uh, I would say probably of thir twelve or thirteen of those years, I never went back and reread my journals, or, or okay. like if I did, it was like once every couple of years. You know, it's like excruciating. Very... <laughs> it's excruciating. Yeah. Like I can just, now, I'm just now at the point where I can read my high school writings <laughs> without feeling like I go, oh, okay, well she was young then, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you need a, a good Long Island iced tea or something. Yes, exactly. Um, well, yeah. So uh, to uh, to answer the question, I I, um, I think it's I I did decide one day. So, well, firstly, I think I think it's important to say if you never go back and look at your journals, you still achieved a great value just by journaling, because I think it's it's like you said earlier. It's we've gotten to the point of putting our thoughts in words, making them real. You know, there's a certain amount of processing that comes just from doing that. Um, yeah. But, but then I do think, I think the kind of, there's a lot of growth that can be gained by really evaluating closely. It's almost like you're taking a transcript of what you're, what is in your mind on any given topic. Right. Um, and it's, so it's, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, oh, that, that, you know, person, that colleague at work who's so rude, like, right. you know, if that's the prompt, then you can journal about it. And it's literally, you're taking a transcript of what's in that mental file folder. And then you can look at it and you can scrutinize it and evaluate it. And, and you might learn some things, 
Um, and, and so anyway, to the logistics of what that looks like, I, what I would recommend to my students is um, for material that's worth um, revisiting, um, you level three journaling is you're, you're making that thinking into a study guide. Um, mm. And I, this is where, you know, I, I'm somebody who it recommends that my students not write in, in these like beautiful journals that they sell, like the, the weather worn oh. leather bound journals, <laughs> because, because I, I think it's, it's very valuable to write on loose leaf paper. You can edit it, manipulate it, move it around, um, put it in different binders. But then I think when you get to level three, that's where I think you can bring in those really attractive journals because it's, you're at the stage where the thinking that you would put in one of those is level three thinking. It's, it's already been captured and developed and refined quite a bit. And so now it's, okay, I have a good command of this material, but I need to be studying this stuff. I need to make it second nature. So I tell my students basically to make a little study guide and, and, you know, make it really attractive, make it something that you want to look at, you know, yeah. five times every day, you know, get out all the colored pencils or whatever it is, the rulers, and <laughs> make that a page in your, in your book that you carry around right. and, um, and then study it. Like as if it's this, this textbook written for you on your life by the master of your life, who is you, you know, like, <laughs> right. um, and, and it's, I, there's an analogy I, I make too, um, it, particularly in the middle ages, there are these, these books that were very common called uh, a book of hours. It's basically like a small little prayer book with like a special prayer designated for each hour of the day. And oh. it was just kind of a way of staying you know, for these people who are <clears throat> devout Christians and they want to kind of keep their minds on God, it was, a, you know, kind of at, at the, you know, the ring of the clock tower every hour, you pull out your little book of hours and you look at that prayer and contemplate for five minutes, you know, that, that thought. Yeah. It's, well, you can do the same thing with your own personal intellectual discoveries. Interesting. I have, a, you know, I may, I, I that, that's intriguing. I may, I may try to do that that to 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 kind of go back and just pick out things that probably I probably never you know I I'm, I'm sure I have plenty of things that I wrote and then never made anything of because I just needed to get it out initially I needed to data dump it but right didn't right. do anything with it <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I will say that you know every now and then if I'm cleaning out something or I, you know, I'm kind of curious about what I'll go back and read something. And, and there mm -hmm. have definitely been times where I've been blown away at my prescience, <laughs> especially if I'm recording a dream and something has come up in it. And then, you know, of course, years have passed and it turns out that that dream, I don't want to say turned out to be true because that's not quite it, but it was telling me something that later I wish I would have known. I wish, I, right. you know, it's like, yeah. and, and that's happened on, on quite a few occasions. And it, like I say, it does, it blows me away when I, when I read things like that. Yeah. But generally I can't, it's really painful to go back and I need a good 20 years in between my <laughs> <laughs> writing and, and then going back and reading it. Well, and that, that kind of, that touches on one thing I'll say, but like the, the whole book of hours idea and these little study guides, I think there's a point I, I basically tell the students, like, you want to be looking at this so regularly and kind of trying to apply it to your life on a regular basis. You're trying to install this, you're trying to make it second nature. Yeah. 
to the point where when you get to the point where you look at this thing, you can't stand the sight of sight of it because it's it's <laughs> obvious, right? That's yes, I know, like I get it, I I you know, and I I I live, walk, breathe this, you know, it's I see it everywhere, and it's at yeah. that point when okay, you've you've installed it, it seems entirely obvious, redundant, it's almost painful to look at, and and that's when I think it's okay, you're it's ready, you're ready to retire this particular thinking, yeah, um, but. Anyway, there's a lot more to explore there, and um, and if you if you do if you do explore that, I would love to compare some notes um, because yeah, it's a very interesting thing. Um, so we are coming up on the end of our time, so I just wanted to thank you for tremendous conversation. Actually, no, I got to be. I speaking of vocabulary, tremendous is not the the right word there. <laughs> scrutinizing that word lately. So fantastic conversation. Thank you very much. I I feel like we probably got like five other good conversations in the hopper. Yeah, we it's do. Been a pleasure do. having you on. It's always fun. Yes, thank you so much. It's been like I say, I I have never talked about this, um, and I've been I've been journaling since at least the fourth grade. So. Um, it's it's kind of after all these years, it's kind of fun to talk to somebody about it who gets as excited about it as I do, all yeah. alone, <laughs> normally all alone. So. Well, and you know, I think there's a way in which you know everybody's been a good sport when I bring up journaling, even if even if they're kind of annoyed and and want to, like, <laughs> they're just humoring me. They're a good sport, but I think there's a way in which you know when I find somebody like you, you know, who who you know takes this really seriously, you sort of seem to feel the same kinds of needs. I I know I've I found a real ally, so I yes. appreciate the chance to talk about this. Um, Absolutely. I, I do want to just take a second. Um, is uh, I always offer the guest a chance to, if they want to um, give people a means of, of reaching out to them with any questions or to learn more about what they're doing. Um, I always like to make that available as an option. Is that something that you, you want to provide? Well, I, um, I actually, so both, but the social media I'm on is, that's all private stuff. I just keep that set to private, friends only. But, um, but I do, I actually just remembered that I, years ago, a few years ago, had started a Twitter um, that was just going to, it was called Epistolarity. And it was, it was, because uh, I'm a letter hoarder. I love, I have kept, in addition to my diaries and journals, I've kept... <laughs> all the notes that have ever been passed to me or letters, you know, notes in high school and elementary school, I've kept them all. And I keep most letters that have been meaningful to me or funny. Um, and so I was in this, I decided I was going to start a Twitter feed where I would um, just post like one sentence from some randomly selected letter. Um, and I did that for probably about five times and then sort of gave it up. <laughs> That's, I, I was actually earlier this week thinking, oh, yeah, I need to start that again because that was kind of fun and it's, it's fun to go through those letters. Um, so that's one way to reach me. It's epistolarity, E-P-I-S-T-O-L-A-R-I-T-Y, which is, uh, well, epistle for letters, but also arity for hilarity. So <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes. Well, that and sounds I, and like I, a Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I, I actually have been working on something I started last, working on last uh, winter, and then things got a little distracting. Um, but I am working on a website where, for one of my side hustles, which is I ghostwrite letters for people. 
Oh, very cool. Yeah. So business letters, sort of legal letters. Breakup letters. Oh, breakup letter. Oh, God, please let me write that for you. <laughs> I'm so good at that. <laughs> yeah, any kind of letter. Letters of apology, letters to yourself, um, if anyone's interested in that. I, I don't have it up yet. It's I'm still working on the website. Um, something I went back to a couple of weeks ago. But hopefully I'm going to have that done in about another week or two. Um, and I can, I don't know if you can put it in a link or something. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's, that's my other, my other thing is I, I love letters. I love writing letters. I love reading old letters. When I go to estate sales, I, I go straight for the books because usually people stash letters in them. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, it's really cool that you say that because there's a way in which, um, and, uh, you know, I won't get off on some new tangent here, but I think when it comes to early on, I've had this perspective of journaling that journaling is one of sort of four fundamental ways that we process our experiences through words. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the other three in my book are um, self-talk or soliloquy, just like mm-hmm. kind of talking to yourself. Um, so there's self-talk, there's journaling, and then there's the social equivalent of those two, which would be like conversation and correspondence. Yeah. And I think that correspondence is absolutely fascinating. And it's something that I, I fully intend to explore more um, when I've, I've kind of done more to consolidate my efforts in the journaling world. So um, Ooh, that would be something for us to, yes. to explore down the road, definitely. But um, Absolutely. Yes, okay. I would love to do that. All right. Well, I'll make a point of getting that, um, that letter writing um, link from you once that's all up. And we'll add that um, to the podcast page. And um, until next time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It's been great. Bye, Donna. Bye.